This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to episode 128 of Aviation Careers Podcast, the podcast where we try to inspire you to move forward in your career and your life. Today I am joined by somebody who's been away for a little while, but we're so happy to have him here, and that's Eric Crump. Eric, welcome back to the podcast. The prodigal son has returned. He sure has. <laughs> yeah, I've missed, I've, I've, I've missed this. I Actually, I, I, I joke with uh, Carl and, and a lot of other people that um, I can chart my inner happiness as a person by the length of time that it's been since I've been on ACP. So I'm very glad to be back. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, and we're happy to hear your voice, that's for sure, and I'm sure the listeners are too. You know, one of the things that's interesting is that now that we've made these shorter episodes, uh, it's a little easier to get people like you that are incredibly busy and have so many really important things to do to get them on this podcast. So we really appreciate that you're taking the time to do this because, you know, you just happen to be running an aerospace program (laughs) at a college (laughs) on the side here. Well, anyway, it's awesome to have you. He's going to help us answer some questions, but uh, and he's also going to help us with a few announcements and a couple other things, too, we're going to talk about here at the end of the podcast he's going to make some reference to. So we're going to pick your brain today, Eric, and this is great having you here. Um, first of all, before we get moving forward, uh, everybody's asking about the Scholarships Guide 2017. The book is out. It's in Amazon. It's in the iTunes and the iBook store. Uh, the uh, as far as the approvals are concerned, uh, they should have been propagated by now. It, when we put it out there, it takes a little while, just like everything else on the internet, to get approvals and and all and have the the newest version out there. With that said, just a, a quick explanation: the the scholarships guide that's online is the current version, the directory. Where if you're a member, you can actually look at that directory along with all the other things that you get when you're a member of Aviation Careers Podcast. And those are some of the courses, uh, the Practical Guide to Winter Flying, the Pilot Jobs Book. Those type of things are out there also by membership. It's $10 a month membership, $100 for a year. Uh, that actually includes the, the ability to look at the online directory. Now, with that said, the Amazon and iBooks does a, a much better job of formatting. We basically have all the scholarships as a separate page on our website, each of the different scholarships. And because it's grown so large, it's uh, it's getting to the point where it's kind of sucking up some resources. So we're going to continue with the, the online directory and guide for now. Uh, but we are going to be trying to get people to go to the Amazon store. Uh, one of the questions was, why don't we print it? We are going to print a few copies. I just want to show it to you someday because we are up to, I think it's 200. 194 pages right now on the scholarships guide. It's that's a, incredible. It's a big yeah. And and what's interesting is as people always ask me how much is in here. Now my my problem is I I try to be a little too transparent. I think I undersell the book, but currently we have about 600 to 680 thousand dollars worth of scholarships. With that said, the organizations we point you towards that include these scholarships, if you add up all the scholarships that they 
they say on their website that they give away it's over $10 million of scholarships. Uh, we don't double up on some of our scholarships as far as, uh, you know, if there's 10 of them given away, uh, a lot of times we don't add it up to 10 times, you know, 10,000 or something like that being 100,000. So that's one of the reasons theirs looks so much bigger. So we have one organization that claims uh, $600,000 in scholarships, and we say we only have 600 to 680,000. So just uh, just do the math there. We don't, we don't want to oversell. We want to be as transparent as possible, and that's why we do that. Uh, so please check it out. The 2017 Scholarships Guide is out. We're going to start doing something else, too. We're probably going to put the 2018 out in September because it turns out that might be a better place to put it. Um, another thing, another announcement. If you're going to these conferences, uh, and I know, Eric, you, you tell people to do this, and, and I tell people it's a good idea to get out there and go to some of these uh, conferences for, aviation, for any career conference where there's going to be airlines there. Be careful if the the conference, the ability to go to the conference is based on having membership in an organization. You really need to read the fine print. I'm getting some feedback from some people uh, concerning, like, for instance, the recent Women in Aviation uh, uh, conference where there's these, they have these things that are called fast track, where if you want to go and talk to a specific airline, that airline is so busy. Say it's like Delta, and you want to go see Delta. Well, they have this thing called a fast track that you can sign up for. It's first come, first serve. And you sign up like the day before. And if you get a slot, make sure you're there. Like they say, hey, you, you made the fast track to this employer. You have to be there at 2 p.m. Make sure you show up for that because that will look pretty bad. But with that said, um, if you join an organization, and this happens, I'm sure there's other ones that are like this, but uh, specifically women in aviation, we've had people have been told that, you know, you, aren't, you haven't been a member long enough to be part of that fast track. So what you need to do is you need to find out if you're going to be in the fast track program at these conferences, at these employment conferences, etc. Make sure you understand all the rules before you get really disappointed and sign up for a conference that's uh, quite expensive. Uh, you could spend hundreds of dollars and even up to you know a thousand dollars, including travel expenses and and loss of pay, etc. So look at the fine print, call them up, ask them if there's any other restrictions. That's really really important because this is something that that has come up just a couple of times. So I want to warn you on that one. So uh, again. Good idea. Go to the employment con uh, conferences. Go to Employment Day, like at Sun and Fun, that'll be coming up in April. Uh, that's here in Lakeland, Florida. And yours truly and Eric Crump, of course, will be there. So you get to see his his beautiful face at the uh, conference. And Carl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My beautiful face and Carl. Yes, Ed come Carl. to Sun and Fun. Yeah. It's exciting. It is exciting. It's so I will fun. even try really hard not to run you down with my golf cart. Oh, please don't. That's a cool golf cart you have, by the way. And thanks for the rides <laughs> last year. Speaking of Sun and Fun, you're going to have some people there from uh, Polk State College. And, of course, the flight team will be there. Um, and there's a lot of things. You know, we love to do shout-outs and Please write in shout-outs, uh, and also if you have, say, a Facebook page and you're part of a college, and they, there's a Facebook page that tells people, you know, this is this person got their private, etc. I, I love doing that. I love, you know, giving kudos to people when they they accomplish something. One of the things I want to point out is Polk State College Aerospace actually has a Facebook page. We have a link to it on this this episode, and there's been a lot of achievements lately, and I can't name them all. I'll let Eric Crump maybe possibly name a few, but there's been some commercial CFI students, et cetera, that have, have moved forward. So Eric, do you want to shout out any individuals or just the, the Facebook page in general? Oh, I like shouting out individuals. That's always fun. Um, and thanks for mentioning the Facebook page. Yeah, we, we think, um, you know, this is, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort that we put into 
um, not just pilot training, but to work in the aviation aerospace industry, it's not easy. Um, there is a barrier to entry, uh, certainly in uh, skill and effort required. Um, and so when people succeed, I think it's important that we sort of broadcast that and, um, and make it awesome. So that's why we have our own program Facebook page. And really, the goal there is to uh, celebrate people's training milestones. So when our students solo, we still cut their shirts off of them because that's cool. Um, and uh, it's just fun. We get, you know, everybody in the building comes out. It's a big deal. Um, and when people take uh, their check ride, we like to um, you know, post a picture of them holding their temporary certificate, maybe with their DP or something like that. Um, and uh, one of the recent things that we've just started, which I've always wanted to do, are um, is an ice bath for the CFIs when they get their um, they get their flight instructor certificate. So um, the the shirt cutting thing for solo goes back forever. Um, but I just thought we need something for our flight instructors who reach that, what I consider to be the real pinnacle certificate, if you will. Um, I would, I would gladly take an ATP check ride five times over before I would retake my CFI. That's for sure. Um, so that is by far the hardest check ride I've ever taken in my life. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of prep and there's a lot of nervousness, obviously that goes into it. Um, so we figure you need to cool down from that. So, um, we started doing ice baths. So our first, Student uh, Justin Wayman just completed his CFI training uh, this week as we're recording. And um, so I had a big thing, drug him back out to the airplane with everybody. We took pictures, celebrated them, and then acted like we were going to take a picture with just him in the airplane. But really, we just all got out of the way so that we could pour cold water on him, which was really fun. Um, I don't, I, I assume it was fun for him. At that point, I don't know that he even knew what was fun because he had spent the, you know, the full the, uh, three quarters of a day getting the CFI check right done. But but yeah, we're really proud of, the, of, of our guys when they succeed and uh, want to make that known, not just for them, but then they can share it with their friends and family. And uh, it's, it's something to celebrate. So. You know, going back to the CFI, I know a lot of people are listening now and thinking about getting the CFI because that's how you gain hours. When, when Eric said that, he just said three quarters of a day. That's that's pretty good. I mean, there's a lot of times the CFI takes multiple days. I know mine took a couple of days to do. It was eight hours one day and eight hours the next day. So it, it is a major accomplishment. It is a little bit difficult. It takes a lot of work, and it's very tiring. But uh, when you do get your CFI, you know you've accomplished something. So hats off to those folks, and hats off to everybody uh, there at Polk State College. Anybody else we need to shout out before we move on to the questions? I don't think so. I think that's enough for right now. There's okay. always more time for shout-outs later. Yes, there is. There is. And uh, and by the way, the uh, it, it's a neat thing, this this cold bath. That I could tell you I was, I was sweating bullets after mine, so I think that's a great idea, Eric. Anyway, let's move on to some of the questions here because that's what you want to hear. Uh, f- let's move on to our first question, our first uh, response. And by the way, you can go to a contact page on the Aviation Careers Podcast if you want to write in your questions. Uh, he continues. Let's see. He starts here. Uh, firstly, thanks for the amazing podcast. I'm a recent listener and I've been working through the backlog of podcasts available in iTunes. It's been really inspiring to me as a 35-year-old who's looking at a midlife career change. My question is this. Like yourself and a lot of your listeners, I'm 35 years old and an IT executive who has worked extensively in small IT companies and startups. I currently earn a six-figure salary, but I'm finding that I really no longer enjoy working in the IT field. I'm currently looking at two potential options for a career change. The first is going out and getting my commercial pilot certificate. 
and then try to get into aviation. The second is to go back to school and get into mechanotronic engineering. Mechanotronic engineering, that's how you say it actually, uh, with a view uh, to find a role with an aerospace company. Uh, there's a, a little editor's note here. Uh, most uh, associate mechanotronics with electronical, uh, they, they associate with electronic engineering, mechanical engineering, computer engineering, and uh, other science backgrounds. It's a, it's a multi-dimensional you know, type of uh, background, and it's kind of complex. And I, there's a couple of videos, and I'll put a link to the videos at the bottom of the podcast to, to explain what he's talking about. Uh, anyway, moving on, he says, regardless of which... I, I was thinking about the characters in the Hall of Presidents at Disney World. Yes, uh, yes, yes, <laughs> that's true. And and that actually is employed there. So that type of engineering is also employed in, in Disney World. So it's a, it's throughout the whole spectrum of, of jobs. Some people, uh, they they really don't think it's it's a great idea. It's like, it's like electronics engineering electrical engineering there's certain differences there but this is a whole different field and some really cool stuff on youtube to learn about it that's um, really cool yeah. yeah it is uh, if i if i'm going to change career maybe i'll look into that too that sounds really interesting it is it's you know it's multi-molded it had a i think it's a rpi or Rensselaer polytechnic institute i think has one of the best uh, uh pictures of what the field is about and uh, we'll try to put that in the show notes too uh, anyway, he continues. Oh, and before before we continue, one thing. I, I like what he said. Like yourself, I'm 35 years old and an IT executive. Uh, yes, I was an IT executive back then, but I'm not 35 years old, anywhere near 35 years old, but wish I was still. You're 36, right? 36 and oh, a half. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Checks in the mail, right? <laughs> God. But, but that, was, that was quite a few years ago, and that was actually a, a couple years after I changed into aviation. I was 33 and making that same six-figure income and decided, hey, I'm, I'm moving on to something I really, really enjoy, uh, which I think is really important. Uh, so anyway, he continues here. Uh, regardless of which option I look to pursue, I'm intending to study part-time while continuing to work. This means I'm looking at between two to three years to get my commercial pilot certificate or between six to eight years to obtain my bachelor's and master's degree in engineering. So those are two different options. I'm not worried about the study time and I'm extremely motivated to change careers. My question is primarily about aviation opportunities within Australia. I realize your podcast is U.S.-based, but I was hoping you could share some insight into the Australian market. I've read many posts online about the industry, and many people say general aviation in Australia is a dying industry, and that getting a role with one of the Aussie carriers is almost like winning the lottery. I'm not afraid of relocating to the U.S. or Europe once I have completed my study. My partner is supportive of this. Any advice you could provide would be fantastic. First of all, you're right. Uh, the market here is much different than in Australia. I have a lot of friends that fly in Australia. Uh, there's a couple major issues with Australia is that there's the freedom to fly isn't quite like it is in the U.S., so your expenses are incredibly high. Uh, we're hoping that doesn't change here in the United States, uh, and that's why a lot of people come here to do training is because it is so inexpensive. Oh, people hear that they're in the U.S. They're like, oh, my gosh, you're kidding me. But it's true. It is so inexpensive compared to other places. I can actually take off in an airplane and fly from one airport to the next and not get charged any money. Uh, for that air traffic control services that I use, uh, except there are times when there are towers that you go by that they will send you a bill, but in general, it's uh, you know not pay per service, which that may go to in the future. 
who knows? Uh, it always that always comes up after every, in the United States we've had a, an election, and that's always a topic is you know user fees and changing the air traffic control system. It's another topic of discussion now, so it's never it's never ending. Uh, so you'll hear that discussion forever. But I do hope we keep our freedoms to fly. As far as changing careers, you know, having that really great um, salary is wonderful, and it brings a lot of things. Money, even though it doesn't buy happiness, it does help pay the bills. And you're at a point where you can spend a lot of money on your ratings, et cetera, to move forward. The Getting your, your certificates is going to take you a lot less time than getting your engineering degrees, of course. And if it is something that you really enjoy, I think that's important. The other thing that you mentioned that was really important is having the support of your partner. And if you don't have that support, it's going to be really difficult to move forward. Uh, so my, my advice to you is to look more towards the U.S. if you want to actually do it on a less expensive basis, except for the fact that if you, if you stay in Australia, you still keep your job, you'll still be able to finish your ratings. Uh, you just have to put a, a pen and paper together and, and say, okay, this is what the expenses will be here in Australia. This is the expenses that will be by going to the U.S. Also include, of course, the loss of salary and the fact that you're going to be, you know, jumping with two feet. That's what I did. I jumped in with two feet. Uh, I saved a lot of money, and uh, it's scary, but it's a lot of fun. It's like jumping off the high dive, you know. It's scary, but it's kind of cool when you jump into the water. So uh, it's, uh, Eric, I know you've d you did a, a, a bit of a career change, but maybe not quite as dramatic as this one in moving to a different country. Yeah, I, um, I, I respect the, um, the, man, I'm ready to go anywhere and do anything. Actually, my wife and I had a very long and serious conversation. We were living in Atlanta about actually uh, moving to the UK because there were some interesting jobs that I was looking at. And um, at that time, we, we didn't have the kids and, um, there was actually a lot of attraction in doing that, and we looked at it. We got we got decently far into it. Actually, made some phone calls, and we're looking at, you know, what it would take to actually um, to move. Um, and uh, ultimately, uh, you know, things fall into place the way that they did. And I actually began the arc that eventually got me uh, here to where I am at Polk State now. So, um, but even within aviation, I've changed careers quite a few times. So have you, Carl? I mean, it's, oh, yeah. that's the cool thing about this business. Um, you do something, you really enjoy it, but then. Some other opportunity presents itself, and I was like, "Well, that looks kind of interesting. I'm going to go play with that for a second. Um, and that's I, I, lo I love that about this field. Um, there's so much, so much niche to it. You can get really as deep as you want to. Um, when it comes to changing careers, though, and it's funny, um, and obviously, I, I know Carl's story pretty well, but um, there's so many people who are actually in this in this exact position because I talk to them all the time um, because. Polk State has what what I would consider to be a non-traditional college program, meaning that we do have 18 to 21-year-old students. We have several of them, but we also serve a non-traditional um, community as well. Um, I have students in their 50s, mid-50s, who are training with us. Um, so because of that, we get, uh, we get phone calls, questions, emails all the time in this same position. And I know this is one of those things that comes up, and it seems to be this, this same exact story where he started off. I have this, the, the money's good. Um, you know, I'm well established in the field. I just don't enjoy it anymore. Um, and I've always wanted to do the flying thing. Um, and it's, it's so cool to watch that happen. So for my point, I would just say, you know, kudos to you for, you know, wanting to find a job that's going to bring you satisfaction and happiness. Cause there's a lot of people who chug along every day in a job that they absolutely can't stand and just don't do anything to fix it. So, um, you know, kudos to you for stepping outside the box and whatever you decide to do, um, 
I would love to I would love to hear how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we all would. And and of course, keep us informed. And uh, again, uh, that's a, it's an interesting market uh, in Australia compared to here. Every every market's different. Every country's different. And uh, and things will change in time. That's all we know. That it's uh, consistent. But thanks for the email. Let's move on to another email here. Uh, it says, uh, first off, I enjoy your podcast. Thank you all for running it. I'm a new pilot and found out my third class medical test that I have a color vision deficiency. It's not a bad one, and I'm sure that I can pass the specialized test in order to get my letter of evidence that will let me fly at night. My question then is, will the fact that I need a letter of evidence to fly at night hurt or kill my chances to get a job even at a regional airline? Uh, Before we answer the question, by the way, we're going to have a link uh, to what he's talking about, the letter of evidence and the FAA website and uh, where you can get all the information about that. But uh, no, that shouldn't shouldn't uh, be a problem getting a job in, in the airlines. And I know that, uh, Eric, you have had a, uh, a deficiency in the past, which you were able to uh, to get beyond. And not just with color vision. <laughs> I've had lots of deficiencies. <laughs> I love that. Open. Not as many as Carl. Not Ooh. as many as Carl. <laughs> yeah. But I have okay. had some deficiencies. <laughs> Shots fired. Heads down. Um <laughs> We should really you, do this in person. Wait, no, this would be no. so much better if we were in person. <laughs> I'd be throwing um, stuff at you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I was in the same boat. Um, uh, found out when I took my very first medical exam ever. Well, I knew I was colorblind. But when I took the test, it was like I couldn't see any of the numbers and the little dots. They all, it looked The dots were pretty, but I couldn't see any of the numbers. So um, so I, uh, I had to go take this other test. Everything was fine. And then there was a changing of the guard inside of um, the Aaron Medical Institute in Oklahoma City. And the test that I took was no longer accepted. I didn't know that until I went to renew my medical certificate. And they were like, yeah, this test isn't good anymore. So I got my uh, night flying privileges revoked. It, and actually, in my particular case, and this was really because I was moving in the middle of all of that, too. I was actually moving from Tennessee to Georgia. I um, It ended up taking me nine months to get that off of my get the restriction off of my medical um and i did the um the signal light test where you go stand at the base of the tower and they shoot the lights at you um and actually have a student in my program right now who's in the same boat he went to take his medical and um did the exact same thing for whatever reason his uh condition is such that in addition to the signal light test and a sectional reading um uh, sectional chart map reading thing that he had to do um he also has to do a flight test which is uncommon but it does happen uh so um he's going to do the flight test uh, also so uh, the short answer to um this question is no this is no big deal and in, in, in my situation anyway um i have a letter from the um air medical office from the fa that says i never have i never have to take a color vision test ever again so that's the neat thing about going through this process once it's done it's done forever no restrictions and um and no further issues well, thanks for relating that story again, Eric. And so, yes, you, you don't have any issues moving on. Uh, we say it's not an issue, but, of course, you're the one that's going through it. Of course, we feel for you, and, and just get it done. That's all. And uh, Well, it's an issue now. Yeah. It's an issue now. It's a it's a hurdle you have to jump over. That's but once all. you jump over it, it is no longer an issue after that. Yeah, exactly. For, for clarity. <laughs> exactly, Eric. And, uh, and and if you have any other questions about that color deficiency, we've talked about that a lot about stuck mic cast in here. You'd be surprised how many people actually have a deficiency in color 
color. I have a problem with colors, but that's more trying to match my clothes. That's a whole other issue. Uh, but moving forward, Eric, we uh, we have a couple other questions. We'll try to get a few more in here. Uh, thanks for that question, by the way. I think it's going to help a lot of people out, and the link is going to help a lot of people out that have those uh, have those concerns. Moving on to the next question. It says, I got out of the Marines as a KC-130J pilot five years ago. Uh, by the way, this is a great question. I'm so glad you, you uh, related this because I hear this so often. So let's, uh, I continue. I was also a flight instructor in the T-34. I got my CFII, single engine, and I've been keeping that current every two years. But I haven't flown in five years. I stopped flying because I was gone all the time and I missed my, the birth of my kids, birthdays, Christmas, etc. Now that my oldest is a teenager, I'm thinking that flying is a good idea again. My question is this. What is the most efficient way, time and money-wise, to get back into flying? I have 1,500 hours, but they are not recent. I've heard of some schools that will pay for a CFI multi-engine if I instruct for 12 months. Is that a good deal? I also have not flown as a civilian, so I have some anxiety about that and the fact that I have not been in an aircraft for five years. I would appreciate any thoughts. First of all, I, there are so many people in the same boat that I talk to. So let me, let me clarify. The airlines, they, they don't care that you, well, first of all, they like your time. That's great. But they don't care so much about all the total time you have. What's important is recency of experience. So if you haven't flown in a long time, you need to get out there and fly. One of the biggest hurdles I have, and it doesn't sound like this is your problem at all, is that a lot of military pilots that haven't flown in about four or five years will apply to the majors and they'll get turned down. The reason being is this, you haven't flown in many years. It's all about recency, it's all about IFR flying. We know that you'll get up to speed very quickly and that you'll be able to fly very well because of your background and your military training and your military flying. But the world of the civilian world is much different. So there's going to be two things you're going to be able to do. You're number one, going to be able to get those skills back, especially your IFR skills that, you know, they diminish very quickly. And, and then you're going to be able to learn about the U.S. system and also the air traffic control system in general. So those are two very big things. And, uh, yeah, it don't it, – I, I know I should – I'm saying don't be too nervous, but it's not that bad. What's going to happen is it's like riding a bicycle. You get in, you'll, you'll start – doing approaches, et cetera, and then realize, oh my gosh, I, I've got this. And it clicks. It's just like, if you remember when you started flying instruments, there was that one day that it suddenly clicked and you're like, oh wow, I got this. And it's going to be the same thing. You're going to feel really good about, about yourself once you get to that point. The thing is, go out there, get the training. Uh, as far as the specific question you talk about going on and doing your CFI multi with a school and then instruct for 12 months, is that a good, is that a good deal? Well, Obviously, it's free, and they're going to pay for that, but you also have to put in your time. You'll have 12 months of instructing. With your 1,500 hours and with your time, if you could just show me that you were current in the past six months, current IFR, and you've been flying, uh, then <clears throat> excuse me, you, you will probably be offered a job at a regional. And this is, a, this is interesting that they offer those. The reason they offer that for 12 months is the fact they want to hang on to you because they know that you're going to leave to a regional much quicker than that. You have a lot of hours, and, and you're right there on the cusp. You just have to show that you've been doing some current flying. Uh, so it's free, so that is a good deal. But if you do have the ability to get it done yourself, 
I'd, I'd recommend you're doing that. Uh, but uh, again, uh, if there's a good salary attached to that, there's a couple of questions here. Is there a good salary attached to the, the 12 months, et cetera? So, uh, and you definitely will be in the system. Uh, the one thing that'll help with is you're going to have a lot of confidence afterwards. So, so a great thing, a great thing to do. Anything you want to add to that before we move on to the next one here? I'll just second the whole, um, you know, contracting yourself for a year in your position is um, going to steal some time from you that you probably wouldn't have to invest otherwise. Um, and having the CFI multi-engine is not going to make you more or less hireable as an airline pilot anyway. Um, I mean, obviously you need a multi-engine rating, but having a flight instructor multi-engine rating doesn't affect hireability. So if it's an opportunity to you know, build some extra time, build some experience, and the pay is decent, I'd say go for it. Um, if the pay is not really great, then it's probably, like Carl said, it's probably a six-month overcommitment of your time making not as much money. Um, so I, I would just kind of weigh that and decide if it's something that you really, if you really just want to have the certificate, or I'm sorry, the rating in this case, then by all means, have at it. Um, but if, if it's kind of like a, eh, on the fence, I wouldn't give up 12 months for it. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but but again, you know, it's all your it depends on your situation. We'd have to talk a lot more about that. Uh, and by the way, we have coaching services. If you, if you I was just about to say, yeah. this sounds like a great opportunity for, <laughs> for coaching. Yeah. And, and like I said, if, if one of the neat things about the coaching, by the way, it's gotten out on the Internet. Again, we do a two for one deal. It's not so much a two for one on the on the coaching. Uh, the first session is two hours and you pay for one. It's not really two for one because basically the first half hour to an hour we decide you know, if, if this is good for you and it's good for me and it's a good fit, we get to know each other. And then we really hammer out a plan, uh, for the next, uh, half hour to an hour in the coaching. So it's a minimum of one hour up to two hours is basically what that is. So if you sign up for the coaching two hour block and it's uh, it's a lot of fun for me, it's also a lot of fun for you because when, and we have some very frank conversations, uh, that we can't do obviously here over the air. Uh, let's see, we have a couple more questions. The next question I'm going to skip over because the person's actually coming on for an interview and that's somebody talking about transitioning from a flight attendant to a pilot. That'll be a real interesting one. Can't really can't wait to have Sandy on. Anyway, uh, the question after that is, uh, it's actually a message. Uh, he says, been listening for a while and just wanted to say thanks. Really well put together with great guests and conversation. No doubt you're inspiring lots of people, myself included. Well, you know, I really appreciate that. Uh, thank, thanks for that thanks. comment. Yeah, thanks so much. And and the other hosts that aren't here, thank you too. I mean, we that's what we're trying to do is inspire people to move forward in their life and in their career. Uh, let's see. I have one more. Eric, we're going to go just a couple minutes over. I hope you don't mind. Um, do it to it, man. I'm awesome. here for you. Awesome. Actually, I'm here for the listeners. You're just my way to get to them. Uh, yes, so. I know. I'm just a, I'm just a, I'm just a tool. You are well. You said it. There you go. If the toolbox fits, wear it. Wow. <laughs> I know. I set them up and you just hit them out of the park. The uh, anyway, this one uh, starts with. And by the way, if we're going to read your uh, your response, we don't actually. Uh, Put in uh, what airline you work for, et cetera, that type of thing. But uh, but we will talk about everything else. This person talks about an airline. That's why I'm saying that. Uh, it says, hello, Carl. I love, love the podcast. You are so honest, transparent, open, and helpful. Thank you for taking the time out of your life to do a project like this. It really helps people figure out this aviation path and all the different options. So I'm a flight attendant. Uh, for three years in and if you want to know any specifics about that let me know it's a great job yes I would love to hear more about it I, I think it's an awesome job 
Uh, I love flying and flight attendants that I work with love being flight attendants and I would I want more to come on to talk about it. Uh, and like I said, we're trying to get away from just the piloting only. It's just it's been a crazy uh, past few years because they're hiring so darn many pilots right now. But anyway, uh, it can, uh, continues here. It says, uh, uh, I have decided I want to transfer over into the pilot seat and your podcast was recommended to me by multiple pilots here at the airline I fly for. I have zero flight training and haven't even taken my discovery flight yet. I'm 34, female, single, no children, have a master's degree, 20-20 vision, basically no excuses, and willing to go all in. However, I don't want to flat out quit my job until I can get paid for flying elsewhere. I can work a light load uh, because uh, they don't have any minimums at uh, my airline. I need health insurance, a way to pay my bills, my my flight benefits, and I am told that I would have a lot higher chance of maybe getting on with the company if I stay and get all my ratings on the side. It's a good point. Um, my goal would be to become a commercial pilot as soon as possible while still remaining employed. I'm located in Dallas, Texas, and I've called a number of flight schools, such as ATP, etc. etc. I just don't know exactly where to start. Uh, like, should I get the first-class medical exam tomorrow or take a discovery flight? And where's the best place to do that? Should I get a private license with an individual or pay out of pocket so I, could, I should do an accelerated flight training school like ATPs and take out the $70,000 loan? I'd love to do a coaching session with you, but I, I don't know at what point in this journey I need to do that. Please let me know if this is something you can help me out with. Of course, this is something we can help you out with, but I want to talk about a couple things on here right now. As far as, as you're needing that job, the accelerated programs can sometimes be quite difficult if you do have a full-time job. If you have the ability to take a lot of time off, that's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, I did send you a link, uh, and I wanna, I'm going to put that in the show notes. AOPA has some really cool uh, uh, thing called, uh, oh, what is it, the... Um, Anyway, there's a website about flying, and uh, I can't remember the name of it, but there's uh, it's about you can fly, that type of thing, and I have a link to that, and it has uh, links to how to find a flight instructor, how to find a flight school, that type of thing. Uh, start there. Of course, you have a lot of other things that, that can be discussed only in a private conversation, obviously, and we'd love to help you out there. Uh, and one of the things that I think you should do uh, is, is look at that uh, the discovery flight, no matter what, a discovery flight is really important and it's a lot of fun and you'll get up in the air. I know you've been in the air a million times, but it's a lot different when you're up with an instructor who allows you to take the controls of the aircraft and you actually get to fly the plane. Totally different feeling. I know you've been in the cockpit probably because, uh, you know, during restroom breaks and all, the flight tents usually come up front. Uh, and by the way, for those people that don't know that rule, there always has to have to be more than one person in the cockpit. So if you have two pilots, uh, that one of the flight tents has to come up into the cockpit and actually has to stay up there. Uh, so the other pilot's flying, and while the other one's using the restroom, and then they can uh, switch out by having the uh, flight attendant open up the door and let the other pilot in. That's how we switch out. Just to know, understand that rule. I, I think a lot of people don't realize that. There's always two people, at least, up in the cockpit. Um, but I really think that doing that, that first flight, and Eric can even in comment on this, but I think the first flight is so important. It was to me. Make sure you do it with a good organization because I tell you, that first flight I took with the gentleman that was flying me around on that Discovery flight really changed my attitude on the world of flying and said to me, hey, you know, you can do this. I was like, wow, that is so cool. 
Um, oh, and another comment, your, your 2020 vision comment, you don't, you just need 2020 corrected. You don't have to have a strict 2020 vision. That's been gone for a while. Uh, I remember when I was starting in aviation, that was a restriction on, I think it was two uh, airlines at the time. Then there was one left, which was Delta, that you had to have 2020 when you came in. But that's uh, that's totally changed. Eric, do you have any uh, suggestions uh, to our, our flight attendant friend that wants to become a pilot? Again, have to echo the Discovery Flight comment. I actually have a, a flight attendant uh, for a major airline in my program right now, um, and uh, and it, it, it's the exact same thing that I hear you saying now, Carl. She's like, "Well, I, I know I want to fly because I fly, I fly. I've been flying for the last, you know, five years. Like, it's a little bit different um, when you're up in the front." And um, actually, what happened was after her Discovery flight, she said. Well, now I actually know for sure that I want to do this. Um, and it actually created um, a, a lot more incentive, which actually ended up leading to um, to a leave of absence uh, for her in her situation. She's like, I want to devote myself to this wholeheartedly. And so and that was her personal decision. I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just saying um, the discovery flight. Uh, you, you may you may get up and go. You know what? This isn't at all what I thought it was going to be. This isn't fun at all, which I doubt because it's awesome. But then there's the option too, where you where you're experiencing it, and then then now that that fire that was burning now has you know six gallons of gasoline poured on it. So um, and I think that would be really helpful. So I would definitely um, echo the uh, discovery flight. And um, every flight school is a little bit different. Like for us, uh, for example, you can't get in the airplane, um, but not the Discovery flight, but you can't start training without having a medical certificate. Um, so I would definitely recommend before, depending, some schools don't do that. Some schools, they don't care. Um, and especially if you, you mentioned training with an individual, that usually won't be a thing. I would definitely recommend going ahead to make sure that you can actually get the medical before you invest the money. That's just a, a good rule of thumb. So that's the only thing I would add. And kudos to you. I think it's it's so neat. And that's, again, we talked about this a second ago. That's the cool thing about this business. So you've got a great job. You love what you do. And it's exposed to this other opportunity that, you know, I like this. I want to do this too. And that's the option that you can do. And actually, um, in my student's case here, all the time, um, the pilots that she flies with are constantly calling her and texting her, encouraging her and um, you know, wanting to see, um, you know, pictures of the airplanes that she's flying and things like that. So she's getting a lot of encouragement from the people that she works with, and I'm sure you'll have the same experience. So good luck to you. Yes, definitely. Thanks for that advice. The first class medical is very important, and good luck to you and, and everybody else that's listening that are flight attendants. Uh, just uh, a couple of things. Number one, that is the, the flight attendant job actually is a, a really good job to learn how to multitask, which is something you're going to be doing while you're flying airplanes. Uh, one of the things that, that I found is that it's not that easy. Uh, I've never been a server, one of the many jobs I haven't done. Uh, I know it's hard, hard to understand that, Eric. He thinks I've done everything, but I have never served. Uh, but one day, I was a flight tenant for one day and i tell you what that i i wouldn't do it it's uh, it's not as easy as it looks i was trying to i was getting everybody's drink orders wrong and stuff like that it was it was kind of embarrassing uh but uh, i can i can remember a clearance without writing it down but trying to remember people's drinks it's like oh my god uh and it it, it was a bit nerve-wracking so the only other advice i give you as far as uh, anybody listening becoming a flight attendant and moving on to being a pilot uh please remember and no matter what you do really remember where you came from and try to keep that great attitude that you have now and bring that forward 
uh, you know, a lot of times uh, what happens is, you know, 20, 30 years on, we, we get to be grumpy old pilots and, uh, and we, uh, you know, sometimes our complaints aren't very well heard uh, from others. Uh, just don't become that pilot that complains about his Maserati being in the shop and has to drive his Mercedes to work that day. You know, be, be somebody who is totally, you know, into flying and loving their job and loving the people they work about work with. It's not all about the money, by the way. Uh, that's It's really important to understand this is a job that is something you should enjoy. And yes, the money is good. Don't get me wrong, but don't do it just for the money. It is a wonderful perk. But the other perks are the lifestyle, the travel benefits, the days off. There's so many other great things uh, that are with any flying job that are wonderful. So make sure you, you look at the reasons you're doing this. And I know uh, that it sounds like you're pretty passionate about your job and, and staying within the industry. It's a really cool industry. It's a lot of fun, and we all have so much passion for it. Well, Eric, that's it. That's the last of the questions for us today. And I appreciate your coming and helping us out here. Uh, if they want to find you on the inter webs how do they find you find me on the twitter that's a good starting place um at c eric go s-e-e-e-r-i-c-g-o and we will have a 140 character or more conversation cool and and that's good to limit to him to that many characters it's always me. better to keep <laughs> me at 140 it sure uh, is. then we can move into email we may move into phone maybe if you're lucky even a face-to-face meeting. Wow. Then you are lucky because he does have a pretty face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thanks. Hey, you know, uh, I forgot the picks of the week this week. Uh, uh, AviationCareersPodcast.com, the Vets page, Veterans Benefits uh, page. You can click to, on it at the top of the website. Eric Crump and also Ryan Wallace have been great about helping me put together more links. Look at that page if you're a veteran, know a veteran, know some some other pages that would help veterans and make those suggestions. Say, hey, Carl, there's a link you should put in there. Uh, please link to this website. Also organizations that help vets. Uh, let, let me know about those. So any, any veterans organizations that you think that I should put on there is another thing that I've been looking for. Also, uh, the other link is at the bottom of the picks is also about the, the exam, as far as the exam, as far as your eye exams. And then the other pick, of course, I have three this week. It's going to be the uh, AOPA's uh, Let's Go Fly, that, that website, and I'll put that at the bottom. Well, folks, I really appreciate your listening today. And if you notice, everybody here on this show and everybody that, that has been writing into us has done something. They've taken one step forward in their career by just writing into this show, by actually going out and getting their medical, talking to other pilots, etc. I encourage you to do this right now. Don't, well, if you're driving, stop the car, of course, but do something currently right at this point. Do something now to move forward in your career. Take one step, take one leap, do something to move forward in your career, and I'm sure you'll get to your goal and you'll be amazed at quickly you'll get there by just taking one step at a time. Folks, it's great talking to you. It's great talking to Eric Crump, and we'll talk to you next episode and safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved. 